This week on Rotten or Righteous, we ask the question, honest mistake, I got Boaz and Balaam confused. I know, hey. who hasn't Who hasn't got their Melchizedek's confused with their Belteshazzars from time to time? Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous, the only podcast Hi. that followed a star in the sky, but then we had to stop when Chevy Chase put out a restraining order. <laughs> With me today, his parents named him, and then they got affection for him. <sighs> I messed that up really quick. With me today... With me today is a man who, well, his mom gave him a name against his father's uh, uh, wishes, and, well, she grew affectionate towards him, and now we have Luke Taylor. Ha <laughs> ha. people. It's good to see you not drinking on the show tonight. <laughs> no, I couldn't get a hold of any boocha. Six-pack of the booch. Along with Luke, it's a man who was born nine months before Christ and loves having his belly rubbed. It's Scott Judge. <laughs> I do, too. Half of that is true. I'm old. And me? Well, there's some things I found that tend to tick people off. Jumping out and scaring them, singing really loudly early in the morning, staring at them while they eat, at the risk of savvy, or stating the obvious, well, uh, well-placed number two. Breaking things, setting things on fire, licking things that don't want to be licked. And I'm Zach Geiler. Wow. A well-placed number two. Is, I like that. The sad thing is, I've seen you do every one of those. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we watched the... What year is it? 2017 Sony animated film titled The Star, and continuing on with our Christmas theme that has been stated and not really shown for the past few weeks. Uh, well, I guess we did two Christmas Christmassy things in a row. We did the, you know, we did the, the Borrowed Christmas and something else. Just one. No, we did something before that, didn't we? Oh, we did the Martian thing. Yeah, we did the Santa Martian oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And that was trash. And our rendition of uh, The Prince's Bride was a gift, so that's Christmassy. But this one's real Christmassy because it's all about the birth of the, the little baby Jesus. Now, one thing I do want to talk about really quickly is that at the end of the movie, there's a disclaimer that comes up and says... Artistic liberties were taken in the telling of this movie, but we still strived 
to stay as close as possible to the greatest story ever told. My argument is, is if you're telling the greatest story ever told, why would you need to take artistic liberties? Amen. I got nothing for you. <laughs> I mean nothing. You can't, you can't. Nobody can honestly answer that question. Well, because I'm, if you're going to have a funny donkey in your show, you have like to you screw have up the timeline so bad that it's the most confusing thing in the world. This ought to be called <laughs> this ought to be called hey, if you really wanted the nativity to be uh, true, the nativity scene to be true, uh well, this is how it might have happened and it's just as stupid as the actual nativity scenes. <laughs> I didn't see anything biblically inaccurate in this whole show. Nothing? Okay, really? can't wait no. to begin here. No, no, this, Give me the scripture <laughs> where a dove shakes its hind. No, not that. Let's start right out the gate with a biblically inaccurate uh, <laughs> beginning. Because the first thing we see on the screen as we go through the star is nine months B.C. All right, I'm going to make a case to justify this. Okay. Actually, go ahead, and go, ahead and, go ahead and explain. Go ahead and explain your your objection. My objection is that obviously Jesus was not born nine months BC or on zero BC. That if you go back and trace the history of things and the events that the Bible tells, it places Jesus's birth sometime between like three and ten BC or AD. We screwed up yeah. the calendar, Luke. I mean, even yeah. the Catholics argue that or, or admit that the Gregorian calendar is off by a few years. But if I'm making a kids show, right, or I'm given like a, I've even done this in like to simplify like Bible timelines. I still put Jesus at zero. You know, I put like an, a little asterisk over to the side, and then I'm and then I still put Jesus at zero and kind of run the timeline out from there. Just so because Jesus's it's like, birth year is like Barry Bonds. You're going to let him into the Hall of Fame, but you're going to put a little asterisk by it? Yeah. Some yeah. people know. I mean, it's, it's pe your people are too simple. People are too you, you stupid. Can have your, you people can are have too a conversation stupid. with the kids later about, ah, we need to shift this back a couple years. So what you're saying is you lie to him. Why, yeah. why couldn't you just say first century Bethlehem? There you go. Well, if you do... Well, you could say that, but it at least when you place Jesus right there at one AD, it like communicates at least that the calendar was built around Jesus, which is an important fact considering people are trying to erase that now. So it at least instills that, and then you can kind of make the clarification, like if you have a deeper conversation. But all I am saying is to say that you watched this movie and found zero, zero scriptural inaccuracies. And it no, opens that's, that's... with a glaring scriptural inaccuracy. <laughs> I'm going to defend that my stance the whole show. Okay. Cool. I don't know what lies I'm going to have to come up with to do it, but I'm going to try. Now, I will say, I need to stop saying that. I say that too much. One thing I did appreciate about this movie is that it was the most Christmassy Christmas movie that never mentioned the word Christmas by like a character's dialogue. There were still Christmas songs and Christmas carols throughout and they say something stupid about Christmas being a time to give gifts and you know gather with family which is which it is. I'm not <laughs> that's, that's stupid. 
No, I mean that's all it is. It's there's no there's no significant religious background other than the you, Catholics you wanted to fight with the pagans. But uh, yeah, go ahead. I would love to see if if spirits were real too. Let's knock ghosts out too. Um, <laughs> just get them all in one shot. <laughs> there once was a man who lived up on Who Whoville Mountain. He was green. His name was Zach Geiler. All right, hater of Christmas. For real though, uh, we open up in. Nine month BC, <laughs> Nazareth, and uh, on Nazareth apparently has a rodent problem because well, there's this little pygmy mouse named named Abby, voiced by legend of the small screen and stage Kristen Chenoweth. You may recognize her as being the original voice uh, from the Wicked cast on Broadway. Um, that's where I recognized her from. She was also in a really short-lived show that I really loved called Pushing Daisies about this guy who could bring dead people back to life, but if he touched them again, they'd die again. It was very good. That. It only lasted one season, but it should have lasted more. But I, but I digress about Pushing Daisies. Um, Mary is praying to God as, as she does, and suddenly an angel appears and tells Mary that she's to bear the Son of God. And I like how they did the angels here. It was just like a blue angel shape, like a bioluminescent angel cookie cutter. Which I was kind of underwhelmed by the angels. I was like, is this it? I can say you... that I never have imagined the any angel appearing like in a house. When I've imagined this scene, I always imagined it outside, and I was like, this is strange. This, this really? looks unbiblical. I've always Never. imagined it inside a house. I mean, they, it's always like David always was like woken up here. from a dream. Was David having David. a, or, or Joseph was woken up from a dream? Are, are you telling me David was having an outside sleep when the angel showed up to him? He might have been. One of the mounts, like, one of those outside sleep window, you know? I feel right. like angels can't fit in houses. It's angels, according to Luke, are vampires. They can't come in unless they're invited. <laughs> they're just too big, too too glorious to right. be stuck in a little shack. That's what I thought, too, especially when we read that verse that if you're hosp are hospitable towards people, you may have cared for angels. I'm like, those things, you, you can secretly serve them, but they're too glorious to go inside your house. Not inside, well, outside. It's only they can when... come to a picnic. Yeah, it's only they when went, you're in their They went their inside form. of Lot's house in the next chapter. Yeah. yeah, but they weren't in their like shiny, glorious form. If they're in the shiny, glorious form, they can't. They don't fit inside. <laughs> okay. That was the only biblical inaccuracy I saw in this movie. The only one? <laughs> yeah. It's not even a biblical... Never mind. Okay. So, Mary is like, oh, cool, I'm going to have, have the baby Jesus... I do like how they played Mary off, kind of modernized her a little bit, because she's like, oh, thanks. I mean, am I supposed to say thank you? I mean, oh, as you wish, it shall be done. And I'm like, yeah, I get that, because it's kind of like <laughs> how I think I would be <laughs> in that situation. Yeah, what, do you, what do you do with that information? Yeah, you just kind of put your <laughs> foot in your mouth. And uh, then the little pygmy mouse runs out, and just like the Bible says, the first evangelist was a tiny pygmy jumping mouse. Right, Luke? That is correct. Okay. But great. Maybe animals can talk to each other. 
I mean, maybe. They probably don't, but maybe. Well, the Bible doesn't say they don't, so I don't find it to be biblically inaccurate. They could have had a conversation amongst themselves. That's true. The Bible does have a talking animal in it. Or at least two. At least two. Two? What's the other one? The serpent? Oh, yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Baby <laughs> I don't know why I remember the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Serpent, where are you throwing that at? Um, yeah, also, so we probably can talk to each other. We just don't realize it. After the pygmy mouse goes off and tells everybody the good news that Jesus got uh, impregnated by the Holy Spirit, a giant star... Jesus got impregnated nope. by the Holy Spirit? Mary got impregnated by the Holy Spirit. A giant star goes and busts up the sky and starts shining down a whole nine months before that was supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know when the star actually yeah. appears. Because the wise, men, the wise men have to travel, you know. So yeah. it was the wise men did not for the fiftieth time this year. The wise men were not there the <laughs> night of Jesus's birth. Well, that's debatable. It's not um, debatable. It's a hundred percent not debatable. Uh, so anyway, but we know that it had to be up there, even if they came after Jesus's birth, it had to be up there a while. So, so are, are we debating whether or not the wise men were there for Mary's conception? No. Yeah. We're, no, we're debating whether or not the star just started shining down out of the sky. And furthermore, how I do we... I still want to know what the star was. How do we know what... Like, I don't think the star was in the sky for the entire time. When the Magi say they were following the star, the star literally could have just been a singular event that shone on the night of Jesus' birth. The Magi put two and two together with the prophecies and then started traveling towards the east. I don't think it was like a an ancient GPS telling them, left turn ahead. Thank you, star. Maybe it was Mercury that was specially lit on that day. Yeah, I still need to figure out what the star was, because it's like, there's no... I don't think there's any prophecies in the Old Testament that actually talk about the star, so how do they know about it? Apparently God gave them, like, special messages while they were over there in well, China. Well, God did go send angels to the to the shepherds. Why? What, who's to say God didn't send messengers to the wise men, saying, hey, when you Maybe. see a star, you need to start heading towards Judea. When you see the planets align in the sky, and so, anyways, perfectly line those up right over top of. There's this annoying bright star in the sky that apparently only the animals notice because nobody seems to care about this star except for the animals. Um, And one of the first animals that notice it, besides the little mouse, is this young miniature donkey, voiced, voiced by. Stephen Yoon of Walking Dead fame. You may remember him for uh, the time he made out with the villain Negan's bat and had his head split open and his eyeball pop out. It was real gross. I don't remember that. Yeah, that was about the time I stopped watching it. Was this in Walking Dead? Yes. He made out no. with a zombie. Are you kidding me? Are you... No, he didn't make out with a zombie. Negan was a was a is a was one of the big bads. And he had this bat and had Rick's whole group down on their knees. And he's like, I need to show people that I'm the I'm the top dog, not Rick. Oh, oh whack. Bye, Negan. Or, or bye, Glenn. Huh. Whack. Bye, Zach's favorite character, Abraham. <laughs> Sorry, this is so traumatic. Abraham was the best character on that show, and they killed him off for no reason. That's not even how he dies how in many, the comics. How many seasons of The Walking Dead has there been? 
too many. Anywho, we have this young donkey who is working in a wheat mill with his father, the voice of Chris Christofferson. Why does that sound familiar? Is he a country singer, Chris Christofferson? Yeah, he was one of the highwaymen. Yes, that's who he was. He was a highwayman. Yeah. Can we talk a minute about yeah. that that song? Sure. You ever heard that song, Luke, The Highwayman? Okay, uh, so maybe. Let me, let me break this down for you, all right? We got Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, and you got Johnny the man Cash. in black himself, Johnny Cash, right? And Waylon Jennings. Was Waylon Jennings in it? Yeah, Waylon Jennings was in it. Okay, but anyways, Willie comes out first. He says that he's a dam builder. Or no, maybe he Waylon is the highway man, right? Basically... He he's got a pistol on his side and he's he's doing wild west things. He's having a great time, but then he dies. Okay, but then he's like, well, maybe I'll come around again. Okay, I mean, I'm it's a little bit Hinduish. I'm not I'm not into the whole you know, uh, 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 what's it called? When you res when you get put into a new body, when you die, reincarnation, reincarnation. Well, he's reincarnated the person, and apparently this person's reincarnated to uh, uh, Chris Christopherson uh, or Willie Nelson, I can't remember. But he's a dam builder, right? He's building the Hoover Dam. But then (laughs) he falls off the top of the Hoover Dam and into wet concrete, and they're just like, leave him. Leave him there. Do not get that body out. He's part of this now. But then he's reincarnated again as... uh, uh, and then and then Johnny Cash takes it and he's like, hey, you guys know how you guys were doing all these really cool, awesome, old-timey jobs and how they were dangerous? I'm going to be a star man. And they're like, well, hold on a second, Johnny. That doesn't make any sense. He's like, nope, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a star man flying around on my rocket ship out in space. It's a cool song. It takes a hard left turn there, though, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I know. It does. <laughs> It does. You have to listen to this. Okay. For the love of Pete. We meet this little donkey. He's working in a mill with his dad. The donkey's like, man, I sure don't like walking around in a circle staring at my dad's butt all day. And his dad's like, what are you talking about? My butt's fantastic. And he's like, yeah, but there got to be something else for me out there. And then the little donkey has a friend who just happens to be Dave the Dove, voiced by Key and Peel alumnus Keegan-Michael Key. He flies in and he's like, "Guess what? The royal caravan's coming through." And Stephen, our young donkey man, is like, "He's not a donkey man. He's just a donkey. He's an actual animal." The <laughs> young donkey's like, "Oh man, I can't wait to get all up in that caravan. They're gonna be like, thank goodness we have this tiny donkey marching among all these royal horses. Whose royal caravan is it? We're not told, and apparently it doesn't matter. But the donkey is like." We can dream all we want about this rural caravan, but you and I both know, Dave, I ain't never getting out of here. Well, six months later, the donkey is still trapped. When the dad is like, all right, I'm going to risk my life to give you a a better life, son. Oh, my hoof. I stubbed it. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. Someone help me. And then the miller comes in. He's like, oh, my donkey is all, all knocked down. What am I going to do? And then the older donkey's like, oh, donkey kick. And the miller just goes dead. He's dead now. He's not dead, but (laughs) he 
He should be dead. He should be dead because he got kicked square in the temple by a donkey hoof. But uh, this gives young donkey a chance to run away. And he escapes and he's running through the streets and Dave is coaching him on and flirting with pigeons and chickens, which was actually kind of funny. But anyways, they're like, oh, we're going to finally make it to this rural caravan. You know how six months ago we said it was coming? It's still on its way. Listen, you can hear the sleigh bells on this royal caravan, is what Dave says. To which I respond, hmm, when were sleigh bells invented? And then I go, oh, around 1000 AD. Huh. They had bells back then. Not sleigh bells. Sleigh bells ring. They didn't have bells. Well, they had bells, just not sleigh bells. Uh, is it too soon for a Mexican border joke with the royal caravan? No, but the no. truth is, though, I this is why I don't trust donkeys. They're always trying to escape. Always. <laughs> it's true. They're always trying so to find true. a better life. What other donkeys do you know that have attempted a uh, getaway? None. I've never not known a donkey that hasn't tried to escape. Of all the donkeys I have seen in person or on television that have tried to escape... All of them have. Well, I mean, they're basically slaves. So, I mean, they're like they're the not, children of Israel trying to get they're out not, of Egypt. They're not basically slaves. No, they're, basi- they're not basically... No. How not? What, on how? one... Oh, well, on one hand, a, a slave is a person. And on the other hand, it's a donkey, Luke. I'm sorry, I'm not going to equate a donkey with a person and say, yeah, they're basically the same. Well, if donkeys can talk and have feelings like in this show, which we've already established is a possibility... Then should we no, enslave we the donkeys to Yes, there is a talking donkey in the Bible who is being possessed and given that ability by an angel. He's not you, the donkey do you know, doesn't talk. How do you know God just doesn't like loose the donkey's feelings into English? First of all okay, so you think that, that they were speaking <laughs> English in the Old Testament times? <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, <laughs> the donkey escapes, but you in have to move the on escape because you don't have an argument against my donkey, no, my donkey slave, just, slave donkey argument. I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna even talk about it. But uh, during the <laughs> escape, the donkey has a uh, a rope that ties around his ankle, and uh, apparently it broke his ankle. So he's hurt now, which is a real shame because this movie just got started. I'm like, man, they're gonna have to shoot the donkey right away. Mm-hmm. Kill the hey, donkey. They didn't, have, they didn't have guns back then, Zach. Put him down. Yeah, so he's got a broken leg, so he's gonna have to die because that's what you do when a horse or a donkey breaks its leg. Put him down. Yeah, but not in this movie, full of fantasy and feel good. Was it broken or just strained? Did they say it was broken? I mean. He couldn't put any weight on it, and he had to be put into a splint. Yeah, I was going to say they splinted it. The only reason you'd splint that if it was broken. So keep in mind, we're six months after Mary has been impregnated. She has showed up on the day of her daughter's wedding. Nope. Sorry, got Godfather in this movie confused. They're just so (laughs) equally good. Mary shows up on the day of her wedding feast to Joseph, and she's wearing this big scarf to cover her baby bump. And she's like, oh, man, I hope Joseph I hope Joseph still accepts me when he sees me uh, in, the, in, the, in the motherhood way. Now, 
two things that were good here. One, Zechariah and Elizabeth were dropping her off with baby John, which fits the timeline. And both Zechariah and Elizabeth were old. They had gray hair. So they got those two details right. But they did skip over that whole scene where the angel comes to Joseph and is like, Hey, Joe, uh, guess what's going to happen? Mary got divinely knocked up. We're going to need you to just kind of accept that. I don't think you're allowed to say that. Is that blasphemous, Luke? Yeah. How was that blasphemous? Divinely knocked up. I'm trying to remember. It just says afterwards that he came, the angel appeared to Joseph, right? So you want to believe that Mary went to live with Elizabeth for six months without telling her fiancé where she went. I mean, well, she could have gone to visit Elizabeth and not told him. Yeah, and Matthew, Matthew's account, um, it talks about the Holy Spirit. She was found with child with the Holy Spirit and Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to put her away, make her a public example. Um, but while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord came and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. And then she goes to Elizabeth. You don't know that she goes to Elizabeth after that. Could have been before. <laughs> I'm just trying to redeem my fa- my new favorite show here. Um... Okay, so Mary is pregnant, but she didn't tell Joseph yet. That is the loudest Bible. And is your Bible I'm made sorry. out of a I'm box sorry. of nails? I thought you were like unwrapping something. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just taking the time, uh, opportunity here to study a little bit. I'm sorry. So Mary, Mary comes back. She's six months pregnant, but she's hiding it underneath a scarf. And uh, somehow she's able to hide this baby bump throughout an entire first century wedding ceremony, which is crazy because there is a lot of dancing that goes on in those things. If you remember from The Chosen Season 1. Everybody gets incredibly inebriated in front of Jesus. Totally fine with that. And there's some dancing. Now, Whose wedding keep in mind was when I say totally oh, fine that, that with that. That was the wedding at Cana. Now, mm-hmm. keep in mind when I say totally fine with that, I'm speaking for Dallas Jenkins, not for my own personal beliefs. Yeah, that show is unbiblical, but this one is okay. All they were eating at this one was fruit. You saw Zachariah theft in all the fruit before he left. Now, I. I, I do want to point out that uh, they do make Mary out to be the dumbest human being in the entire world because right after the wedding is done, the, the little broken-footed donkey goes and hides in Joseph's courtyard. And Mary finds the donkey, and he's like, Oh, your foot's hurt? Let me kneel down right behind you, injured animal, and let me splint your injured hoof up and just trust that you're not going to kick the divine fetus that is gestating in my stomach. Hey, when you're a new mother, I've you know, never once you might lived not on think a, about stuff like that. I've never once lived on a real functioning horse farm, and still I know that every time I was around a horse, the number one rule is do not get behind it. Number two rule is if you see an am, or an injured animal. Don't don't get in the way of its teeth or what it attacks with. 
approached with incredible caution. I'm just saying that Mary, according to this movie that Luke uh, attests is more scripturally accurate than the own Bible, uh, or, or than the Bible, that Mary kneeled down behind an injured donkey's hind legs in order to care for it. Well, if you were carrying the Son of God, do you think that you would be like, this donkey could potentially kick me? Or would you think... If I was carrying the Son of God, I would wrap myself in bubble wrap and not move. Maybe you would be months. like, well, I don't have to be that careful because God's going to get this thing done anyway. Right, because in the Book of Opinions, chapter 12, right after it said the star shined in the sky for a whole entire nine months that Jesus was, was uh, uh -huh. in utero... It also says that Mary also was invincible. In the very next chapter, the very next chapter, she went cliff diving without a parachute. But wasn't she? If your definition is invincible, is she didn't die during that time? Yeah, but she couldn't up have in, died. Up until this point in my life, I've been invincible. She couldn't have died. Says who? Says God's plan. Right? It's it would have been impossible. So she was invincible. So so Mary didn't have free will during that time? She couldn't have died. She was invincible. I, I, I don't agree with that. Why couldn't... if Why wouldn't God just choose a different woman that's not going to stand behind an injured donkey? <laughs> it's like, well, that first chance didn't work out too well. Mary is is nursing this little injured donkey back to health, and she names him Boaz which I assume she named because that's the man who spoke to a donkey, and she just didn't get around to reading that part of her uh, ancient text just yet. Because she probably wouldn't name a donkey after Boaz. He's pretty much one of the scummiest people in the entire Old Testament. But no, wait. I get what you were doing there. <laughs> wait, that wasn't Boaz. Boaz was the guy with Ruth. Um, it was <laughs> That's true. It was Balaam's no, donkey. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. I, that was like, yeah. that was a good little Easter egg, but then, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't here, a good little Easter I'm egg. I'm sitting here I, trying to connect I the dots, gave, but that didn't sound right. I gave like, the writers of this movie too much credit, <laughs> is what I did. That was my problem. Yeah, you did. To, you did. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. They called him Balaam because of the or Boaz because of the donkey. Honest mistake. I got Boaz and Balaam confused. I know hey. who hasn't who hasn't got their Melchizedek's confused with their Belteshazzars from time to time. They couldn't. They couldn't have made a mistake like that. They were too in depth with the text. <laughs> they were using the Cotton Patch Gospel for this one. <laughs> um <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> but uh, she names him. And she's like, oh, Joseph, can we keep this donkey? And Joseph's like, I don't really want to... As he sees her baby bump for the first time. It's like, what? He's so chill. And Mary's like, hey, I'm, I'm carrying the, the Messiah. And Joseph is like, okay. I need, I need a second, please. But that <laughs> night, Mary is sleeping on a yoga mat... And Joseph is praying about what to do. And the angel does show up outside his window this time, Luke. Outside his window and is like, hey, Joe, it's cool. You can you can trust Mary. She's telling the truth. And then he lays down on his yoga mat beside Mary. Now, they're sleeping just flat on the floor on these yoga mats. 
which I'm like, okay, if it was consistent throughout, I'd understand. But they gave that donkey downstairs like 47 pillows to sleep on. Mm-hmm. You're telling me they didn't store a couple of them pillows upstairs for themselves? My They're back sac- hurts from watching this movie. They're sacrificial. Hey, Zach, animal lives matter. Yeah. I'm not arguing that the donkey shouldn't have a pillow. But I'm saying this, if you're going to show the donkey have a pillow, at least show the mother of God having a pillow, too. I mean, if you just came out of donkey slavery, wouldn't you want a pillow? (laughs) You're an idiot. (laughs) By the way, the uh, voice of Joseph is Zachary (laughs) Levi of Chuck fame, one of my favorite TV shows. What is it? Chuck fame? Chuck. Yeah, he was on a show called Chuck about this guy who gets a computer from the CAA downloaded into his head. But he works at, like, Best Buy. But he's unwillingly became a spy. It's a good show. I know it doesn't sound good when I just described it, but give it a chance. It's it's actually a pretty good show. Uh, What's up, Chuck? Three months later, meaning we're approaching the third trimester. Far, far to the east, they notice, or, or three wise men notice this perpetually bright star in the sky. And there are three camels who are actually more important than the three wise men, which, by the way, let's clear this up. The Bible doesn't say that there were three wise men. It says that there were three magi, which is the plural form of the word magus, meaning there could have been two or a hundred wise men. We just say there were three because they brought three gifts, but really that is that is the most evidence we got, and it's silly to say three wise men. Don't, unless you want to be seen as one of those Pope-worshipping nutjobs. Anyways, there could have been three, though. There could have been. There could have been, yeah. There could have been three, but there also could have been two. Or there could have been a hundred. I honestly feel like every time you flip your Bible, you're about ready to get a big handful of chips. (laughs) And pop in your mouth. I wish chips right now. Because that's how loud it is. It's like you're opening a bag of chips. I'm sorry. You know know what I've never seen? Chips. It says that they came from the East. I've never seen, like, Asian wise men. Like, maybe these were, like, Chinese wise men. No, it's mostly assumed that they came from Arabia, around the Arabian Peninsula. But apparently, according to this movie, that means that there were two very white wise men. Hey, you don't suppose, I mean, it was like a Kung Pao delivery? No, I don't suppose ah! it was like that. I mean, how do we know How do we know that frankincense isn't another term for General Sue's chicken? Because it was used to embalm dead people. Exactly. Thank you for proving my point. <laughs> a Chinese food lasts quite a while. I mean, they might be doing some embalming with that. In fact, Joe says chicken might be better to embalm people than what they used to embalm. Everyone people. knows that pregnant women can't eat Chinese food because of the MSG. That's how I know. They could have been getting it for the slave donkey. <laughs> Anyways, we have three wise men riding their camels. We have Felix, who is the voice of Tracy Morgan, uh, who is of 30 Rock fame. Cyrus, who is voiced by Tyler Perry, who is of uh, cross-dressing and putting out 37 movies under the title Medea Does Something and I Don't Care. And you have Deborah, who is the voice of the Queen of all the Antifa members out there, Oprah Winfrey herself. The billionaire who advocates for socialism. How ironic is that, you moron? Oh, that, I didn't know that was Oprah. Wow, that kind of like kills the show. 
don't understand how they got these like huge people. I mean, Tyler Perry and Oprah together are worth like two billion dollars. You wave, you Actually, wave, you wave a cool million dollars under their nose. Be like, hey, two hours of work, you can have this. You know, when I have a billion dollars, what I don't have another million. I feel like that one million should meet that one billion, and they could they could get together and have fun. Maybe Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry's worth a billion too. I just looked it up. That's nuts. He's a rich dude. You put on a dress, pretend to be a a woman. You never know. When did he do that? Medea. Every single movie that says Medea is him. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a bunch of other like wild investments too. And they seems like a pretty decent dude. Yeah, he's the most closeted decent dude there is. I'm sorry, you don't put a dress on for that many movies and not just do it because you enjoy it. (laughs) So these three wise men cross the desert plain and they make it to Herod's about three years earlier than they're supposed to be there, but that's fine. And they're like, hey, Herod, we digress. I have these presents for this newborn baby. And Herod's like, what baby? And they're like, you know, the one that's that's new. You're the old king, and this new baby's going to be the new king. And he's like, lock him up in my cellars. Well, okay, why not? Jesus got arrested by the Romans three times, and Dallas Jenkins is the chosen. <laughs> I guess we can arrest the, the wise men. I don't think he arrests them. He just like forcibly says, you need to stay here for a while. I'm pretty sure you just described what it means to be under arrest. Well, it's kind of more of like a violent suggestion. I feel like, like jail is. I feel like jail is a violent suggestion of you need to just be here for a while. Yeah, but you're forced. Yep, just like they were. What is a violent <laughs> suggestion then? <laughs> it's an artistic liberty. So they go to uh, King Herod's house. And the camels are just arguing over what this trip, what what this trip's all about. You see, Felix thinks it's a birthday party, while Cyrus thinks it's a baby shower. But Deborah says they're going to meet the Messiah, and both Felix and Cyrus are like, "Deborah, you stupid." And I should point out that uh, these three prominent African American voices are always introduced by some sort of hip hop rift slash heavy bass Christian rock in the background. Which I don't enjoy. By the way, when when Deborah was referred to as stupid, there's a current lawsuit pending because of the defamation of character on Oprah. Probably. Yeah, her and Gail sit up late at night and argue about... Do you think Stedman's still alive, or does Oprah have him stuffed in her freezer? Would it shock you? No, I haven't. I've never seen Stedmund. Herod forcibly suggests that these wise men just become his prisoner guests for a while until he's confined this new king, and he sends out one guard, one very large triangle of a man with two mean old hounds named Thaddeus, who's a German shepherd who's the voice of Ving Rhames, and Rufus, who is voiced by Gabriel Iglesias, and. <coughs> They're sent out to track down and kill this new king three years before this is supposed to happen, but whatever. Um, And Herod sends out an entire army, and he slaughters so many babies in Bethlehem. So, so many babies. They mention that. They mention that, but they don't show it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, would you show that on a children's show? I mean, the same I mean, Prince of Egypt. I mean, you don't even have to have the storyline if you tell the actual timeline, right? Just be like, oh, Mary's water broke. We're still in outside of Bethlehem. Come on, little donkey man. Get her get her to that, that inn. Go find that manger. Are you rewriting the movie or No, I'm telling the I'm I'm, I'm taking out the fallacies. Um so yeah, Herod sends out his triangle muscle dude to go out and, and stomp on some, some babies. Thaddeus and Rufus, these two dogs, these two bad, bad puppies, are on the case. And they overhear the evangelistic little pygmy mouse, Abby, telling the story of Mary to the other mice. And they're like, hey, I'm going to nom on you a little bit unless you give us this information that we need. And she's like, oh, okay, I don't want to be eaten, but I also don't want to betray Mary. But before they can eat the mouse, the triangle giant muscle man, who represents the entirety of Herod's armed forces, picks up the little mouse and is like, what are you doing eating this mouse? He doesn't talk, but I'm just giving him some words so you understand what's going on. He's like, what are you doing eating this mouse? I'm going to pick it up and then I'm going to slam it on the ground because he's bad. So. (laughs) You want to show somebody how tough you are? You go kick a mouse's butt. That'll (laughs) grab their attention. (laughs) Meanwhile, Caesar wants a census, so Mary and Joseph need to get to Nazareth so that they can be counted. So they or they need to get to Bethlehem so that they can be counted because Bethlehem is Joseph's hometown. So they leave Nazareth, and Joseph tries to get Bo to pull the cart, but Bo's like, uh-uh, I am not, I am not going back into those shackles again, Nasa. I am not. My name is Kunta Kinte. Not Bo. I think you can say that. No, I am. I mean, if we're going to use this analogy, let's take it all the way. Um, Roots, but with donkeys. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was I was arguing against donkey slavery. Hmm. Hmm. Are you I, in favor of slavery because you're white? I guess I did fall onto the side of pro-donkey slavery. Yeah. Not human slavery, but donkey slavery. Well, if you're PETA, they're one and the same. So you're canceled. So, anyways, Bo isn't going to go with them because he still really wants to get to this royal caravan, and now that his leg's all healed up, it's time to go. So Mary and Joseph go on ahead, and Bo try to escape. But as they're trying to escape, who shows up? None other than Herod's Triangle Man and the two mean puppies. And Bo tries to hide, but he sucks at hiding. And while he's trying to hide, Dave tries to create a diversion by doing some weird dance for him. <laughs> it's the dove booty dance. But it, it doesn't. Is he? Is it a dove? Is it a dove? Like it's, it's probably not a dove. What kind of bird is that? It's a dove. It literally is it's called Dave the Dove. Dave the Dove. <laughs> Dave the Dove's booty dance. Why, why did you think it was? What other bird could it possibly be? It is a pure, milk-white, dove-shaped bird. That right there is a Spanish cockatoo. (laughs) Could have been. Unless it was a female, then it was a cockatee. Uh, The the dance doesn't work, and so uh, Cyrus and Rufus are able to to question Bo, and Bo thinks that they were sent by his old slave master, the miller, 
Uh, so he's like, oh, no, uh, you're with the Miller? Are you kidding me? No, I'm here with Mary, this awesome pregnant lady. She's great. The dogs are like, we're looking for an awesome pregnant lady that's great. And he's like, oh, dang. I mean, I'm with the Miller. You know, that's who I'm, I'm living. That's who lives here, not Mary. And they're like, we don't trust you, donkey man. And they go off and search for Mary on the road to Bethlehem. Bo and the dove are able to escape, and they they start uh, heading towards Bethlehem themselves to try to save Mary. Now, this is the part that confuses me, because I, I it's been a while since I've done biblical geography, but I did not know that in between Nazareth and Bethlehem was the Grand Canyon. Back, you know, 2,000 years ago, they still had all that, you know, canyon stuff. All that flood. red you know, rock, it's, Grand it's Canyon-esque. Right. But it's just it like our own Grand Canyon. Everybody's like, wow, wouldn't this have been amazing if we could have seen it when it was originally carved out of the earth by the flood? Too bad all this erosion has happened. Why are well, we even calling like, it? Why do we even call it Grand anymore? It's like the Myth also, Canyon. It might have been more grand, you know, 2,000 years ago when the Indians were walking around. There's nothing historically inaccurate about a statement that you could take an issue with. <laughs> I just I just didn't know that there's the Grand Canyon over there as well as over here. Leave it to colonialist Americans to take something away from the native Jewish population and name it in our own country. I'm just saying, I think it's time for us and give not- the Grand Canyon back to the Middle East. <laughs> so let's figure out how to pick that puppy up and ship it. We've had enough! Yeah, the dogs are chasing after Mary, and Bo and Dave are chasing after Mary to try to save her. While they're running, Bo comes to the edge of the Jewish Grand Canyon, also known as the Grand Kosher Canyon. There he meets a sheep named Ruth, voiced by the most annoying woman in the world, A.D. Bryant of SNL who has abandoned her flock in order to chase after the star that's been burning in the sky for nine months. Why is it that this is the first creature that we have met chasing after this star? None of the people seem to give a crap about the star in the sky that's been burning there for nine months. Keep in mind that it wasn't that earlier before in history that if someone saw a comet, they just started killing everybody because that was the god sending sending hellfire down to the earth. But it's cool. Everybody was just fine with it. Apparently, it was one of those special stars that shone at the just the right frequency that animals' eyes can see, but humans' eyes couldn't. Um, it's kind of like a dog whistle. Now, as I say that 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 Ruth helps Bo get down the cliff, what I mean is she coaches him into falling down the cliff. Which, by the way, keep in mind, just a few minutes ago in the movie, this donkey broke his leg on a piece of, of string. A piece of string wrapped around his hoof caused it to break, if not break, a very bad sprain. But apparently he can fall down off a mountain just perfectly fine. He's matured. Right. Gotten better at controlling his fall. Well, according to Luke, he can't die because if he dies, then Mary dies, and Mary can't die. So, by the chain of rea- or, or the chain or the transitive property of immortality, this donkey is immortal. Uh, no, transitive property of immortality, <laughs> right there is your tagline for the show this week. That's the transitive be the property title. of immortality. <laughs> Write it down. That's good. No, it only it only extends. 
you know, it's like how the Catholics think that Mary was sinless because Jesus couldn't be born, you know, with like inside of a sinless woman. So there's like the immaculate conception, but then there's also the immaculate, whatever they call that. The donkey, that doesn't extend to the donkey. It ends at Mary. Like everything else is expendable. Just Mary and the baby. So you're telling me there's no transportable properties? So, but, but what you're telling me is that this donkey's mission was just in vain because if the dogs got up there and bit into her womb trying to tear out the living baby, it would be like trying to, to, to break one of Wolverine's claws made of, uh, what is it, made of unobtainium or whatever stupid Marvel invention it is. Like the dog would be like... <laughs> And then you just pull back like a cartoon, all of its teeth would be broken, and then it'd fall out like piano keys. Well, the donkey, the donkeys is just part of the plan, but it, right. It's an oh, okay. Part so of the now plan. the donkey's part of the plan. A, Mary just it, isn't miraculously a, uh, immortal. The donkey is the part of the plan, but it's dumb. Anyways, the donkey survives falling off a cliff. They get to the bottom, Dave, Ruth now, everybody are like, oh man, we gotta go and save Mary. Meanwhile, back at Herod's Castle, you got the three camels. They're like, oh man, we gotta go warn this woman about this mean, bad Herod dude. One of the donkeys, or one of the camels is like, yeah, everybody thinks Herod's real cool, but right now, he's being a real (laughs) jerk. I bet everyone is going to be so surprised to hear that Herod is a ruthless, bloodthirsty autocrat. I can't believe it. I always thought Herod was the nicest guy in the world. Like, he was like Pee Wee Herman of the first century. They didn't know him because they were Chinese. Right. So they're like, oh, but we can't run away because we're tied. We're tied down here. We're stuck here. But then one of the camels... Uh, Felix is like, I know, I will bite through our reins. But then Cyrus stops him because, and I quote, this, my reins are made out of expensive Corinthian leather. You cannot bite through that. Which is a hilarious joke to all the kids that are watching this movie in 2017 but were actually born in the 80s back when that stupid car commercial came out that said that it was made, or that the seats were lined with rich Corinthian leather. What is Corinthian leather? It's nothing. They made it up to make it sound like it was fancy. There's no such thing as rich Corinthian leather. I'm not saying that people in Corinth doesn't uh, uh, have leather, but there's nothing special about Corinthian leather. What car was that? Corinthian leather is a term coined by the advertising agency Basel in 1974 to describe the leather upholstery used used in certain Chrysler luxury vehicles. It does have a, a sound of mystique to it. I'd buy one. I want to start okay. using it in everyday conversation. Corinthian leather. Need a Corinthian leather Bible. I don't know it's that like mine's a... not. The reason why they chose Corinth or Corinthian leather is because Paul, when he was in Corinth, condemned them for their life of luxury that they're living. They didn't get that part. They just saw, oh, Corinth equates with luxury. So we're going to use that to say that our leather is luxurious. <laughs> Not that Paul gave a verbal beatdown on these people for their luxury and their fornication. They, they missed that second half of the sentence, and they're like, oh, Corinth means luxury. No, Corinth, Corinth means hedonism and slothfulness. You can't deny that it sounds pretty prestigious, though. Well, of course, but anything, 
anything can Sky. sound prestigious. Look at look look here. Our 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 wood paneling on our doors are rich Mountsvillian mahogany. See, that sounded fancy just because I said Illian on the end of Mountsville. Oh, look at over here. This plastic comes from the most pure ethane drilled from the or methane drilled from the deepest most untouched by human hand pits of Grove City. <laughs> the pits of Grove City. <laughs> the methane pits of Grove City. <laughs> <laughs> now the truth is maybe, uh, Grove City is basically <laughs> a methane pit, so <laughs> But eventually they get loose, and now they're on their way to save Mary along with the three wise men. Um, They finally get caught up with Joseph and Mary, Bo and Dave and and, and Ruth does. Uh, But unfortunately at that moment, the Triangle Muscle Man and the dogs also find Mary. And, well, Bo rescues Mary, but in the... The rescue attempt, he also is very destructive. And he pushes people's carts down the hill to stop the hunter from attacking Mary. He's doing everything a donkey can do to save the woman he loves. Now, of course, nobody sees that Bo is rescuing Mary. They just see an angry donkey pushing their carts and breaking stuff. So they're mad at Bo. And Joseph's mad at Bo. And he's like, you're a useless donkey. And the donkey's like, he's me. Now we know why the donkey from Winnie the Pooh acts that way. It's an homage to the donkey that saved the mother of God on the way to Bethlehem. Maybe it's the same donkey. Maybe it's the same donkey that Balaam was riding. And it was made into an eternal donkey. Don't Ah. worry about me. I saved your wife and you yelled at me. The story of history is really just the story of how this. So you're saying Balaam's donkey is immortal. So first of all, you just said the donkey wasn't mortal or immortal five seconds ago, but now it is immortal because it's Balaam's donkey. Well, I'm I'm continually, I'm learning. Yeah. I'm, I'm developing my perspective here. Seriously enough. It's the offspring of this donkey. (laughs) When you (laughs) carries Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. No, it is the donkey, Scott. He doesn't it's die. It's the same donkey. Every time you see donkey in the Bible, it is the immortal donkey of Balaam. The I'm immortal donkey. I have to preach on Sunday and I'm going to make this something. <laughs> David rode a donkey and Jesus rode a donkey. Both okay. kings. Got it. Boom. On the same throne. Donkeys right? mean peace. In Revelation, it's not mentioned, but right behind the sacrificial lamb, there is the immortal donkey of Balaam in the the throne room. It doesn't mention it, but it's highly suggested. It's it could be there. So this thing's in the original Greek when the uh, when the twenty four elders stand up and throw their crowns before Jesus and bow down. In the original Greek, it literally just says donkey bray. And over the years, we've changed that into what it says now. Those Trixie translators. Like, if you read it correctly, like a literal Greek to English translation, it would read, and the 24 elders stood up and cast their hands. <laughs> <laughs> the lion, the lamb, and the donkey. 
That is my favorite C.S. Lewis book. Anyways, uh, Joseph yells at, at, at the donkey because Joseph in the Bible, as you know, is really hot-headed. That's how he comes across in the few verses we have about him. Very, very hot-headed. Anytime frustration comes his way, he immediately starts to yell. He did it with Mary when she said he was pregnant. Oh, wait, no, he didn't. He was totally level-headed and calm and loving about that. Well, he's extra stressed. He's got a pregnant wife, and he's got a crazy donkey. First of all, you just keep pointing out the fact that they know this baby's going to be okay. I'm not going to buy into the stress uh, argument that you had that Joseph was under stress, and that's why he yelled at the donkey. Um, Why? Because, in my experience being a father, which I'm sure you'll agree, Luke, because you have so much experience of going through that nine-month... Yeah, I'll I'll correct you if you're wrong. ...hellscape that is the pregnancy of your first child where you think everything in the world is the end of the world. For, for nine months, you are just on edge, and you are praying diligently and deeper than you've ever prayed before that everything will work out. If God came to me at the beginning of Kelsey's pregnancy and said, Hey, Zach, everything's going to be fine. Baby's going to be born healthy, and uh, it's going to be born on time. Everything is going to be fine. I would have nothing to stress about for nine months. Well, let me counter that. Of course. God comes up to us and he tells us, don't worry, guys, everything's going to be all right. You're secure in Jesus. Whatever happens in this life, it's going to be fine. Do we still stress about stuff? I really don't. (laughs) Joseph's just struggling with the same old questions we all have in life. Like, why does this donkey keep tormenting me? We all have those questions. He doesn't know the donkeys, how God's using the donkey. He doesn't know that it's Balaam's immortal donkey. If he did, he wouldn't worry. But it needs a better name than Balaam's immortal donkey. Like it needs to be like called the golden donk- donkey of infallible destiny. <laughs> it's just like put your random the- words together. We have to we have to figure out where the donkey comes from first. Like, what's the first donkey in the Bible? Because David would precede Balaam, right? Hold right. on a second. Hold on a second. Listen. All right. Hear me out. What do donkeys do? They walk. They carry stuff. They, they walk on four feet. So okay. the antithesis would be something that walks on no feet. Serpent, belly, crawl. The serpent represents temptation and sin coming into the world. The donkey, the immortal golden donkey of destitute destiny... He represents all that is right. That is humanity's Jiminy Cricket. That's our moral conscience. God created the donkey, placed it in the garden. And the whole time, and the whole time Adam and Eve were chilling out with this donkey, having a great time. But the one time the donkey goes to go and get, a, get himself a little apple, a little something to nosh on, that's when the serpent makes his move. And he comes back, and he's all alone in the garden. He's like, what's happening here? There's a cherubim over there, the flaming sword. Where where are my peeps at? And God's like, oh, eternal donkey. I forgot you were in here. Um, just kidding. I know everything. Omnipotent. No, what I'm going to do is place you over here in this secondary garden I made for you. Wait for a few hundred years. You're going to come back. You're going to come back. Just make sure when you see Noah, you stick close to him. So when so because the donkey has four legs, it's the antithesis of the the slippery serpent. 
mm-hmm. embodying all that is righteous. So right. when Boaz breaks his leg at the beginning of this movie, is that like symbolic of the danger that God's plan is under, but then it's healed by Mary. And then right. he, this donkey crushes the serpent. Symbolically. Right. No, the, the broken leg through... was the broken leg was the crumbling of the old Testament uh, uh, covenant because it represented the Jews breaking God's law and thus dissolving the covenant and thus needing a lamb, which we already agreed was basically the same thing as a donkey except fluffier. The lamb is the donkey equivalent in the New Testament. So the donkey is actually the anti-donkey to the lamb. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? It's the shadow of the lamb to come. I see. (laughs) The donkey is the anti-donkey. <laughs> All right, so we'll have to write the definitive work on the uh, the theology of the eternal donkey. Can we call it the gospel according to the eternal donkey? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll it'll bride you great. We need to watch so, uh, we need to watch Murder Among the Mormons again and really get down how to age paper, so that way we can like find it over in a cave in Albania somewhere. That's true. Yeah, be like the the Albanian. Uh, zealot Christians hid this away. The Albanian doctrine on the divine donkey. But then yeah. someone's. I, th- I think I, we're going to assume the I divine donkey that. is still alive. True, but when we write the Albanian doctrine of the divine donkey and then age it and hide it in a cave, I really want to mess with people. So right at the very bottom in plain English, I want to write the word abridged. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that, and then start a, a manhunt for the remaining manuscripts. The, well, somewhere in the doctrine, we have to make it so that he sacrifices one of his jawbones for Samson. <laughs> we have to That's tie that point. in there. All donkeys came from the donkey's jawbone. Like the rib? Mm-hmm. See, the don- yeah, because the Samson would predate David, so if the donkey doesn't show up till David, then we can make that work. Right, that's where the donkey gets tied into the the judge's narrative. He loses his way, and he goes and sacrifices a few babies to Molech, but then he comes back. He learns his lesson. When he's riding on a man who he doesn't think can speak, but then the man can speak and warns him about riding into an angel. Maybe... The jawbone is one of his from one of his children that he sacrifices. Right, and if you go over to Israel today and know where to look, you can find a sliver of the real original divine jawbone of the donkey. And I can sell it to you, right, for a small fraction of a price, along would, with uh, along with a piece of wood from the cross and a thread <laughs> from the shroud of Turin. So, if there's any Catholics out there, <laughs> come get your iconography. At rottenorighteous.com. Oh, the divine donkey. We All the followers of the divine donkey need to chant. They need to go, hee-haw, hee-haw. Hee-haw. so stupid. This whole show is stupid. <laughs> so, yeah, Joseph yells at Bo, and Bo's like, I'm done with Joseph and his, his attitude. So, uh... Hey, Dave, let's go and see if we can't catch up with that 
Royal Caravan that we keep calling. It really should just be called the Royal MacGuffin because it does not matter. It does not have no details in it. It just is used as a plot device to drive it along. It does have uh, uh, anachronistic sleigh bells, but beyond that, who knows? Bo decides to leave, and uh, and and Dave and Bo actually find it. However, right before he's about ready to join, he's like, "Oh man, I miss Mary." And he's like, Dave, I know you want to join the caravan, but I'm going to go back to Mary. Can Dave be a part of the Demonomicon or the Dunkinomicon? Yeah, sure. Why not? The High Prophet Dave. (laughs) 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 With his underling, Ron. The first high priest of the Dunkinomicon religion was Dave and Ron. But that made their younger brother, Reggie, really mad. Okay, I'm done with the Donkinomicon for now. I gotta get through this. He's like, Bo's like, I'm gonna go back to Barry, but Dave, you can join the caravan. And Dave's like, dummy, I'm I'm with you. You're my friend. That's why I didn't go run off while you were stuck grinding grain back in your mill, mill house. He's like, oh, Dave, you're my favorite. Yo, Bo, you're my favorite. And then... They do the equivalent of a hug. Doves and donkeys don't have human arms, so they can't really grasp each other and and give a good hug. But they do the equivalent, which is apparently they just rub the sides of their heads together. It's pretty much what animals do. Yep. So, the two head back to help Mary out. But Mary and Joseph are having problems of their own. You see, their cart breaks down. Leading... Mary and Joseph to both have individual existential crises on the side of the road. (laughs) Joseph's like, I can't do this. And Mary's like, well, I wish you would have told me that nine months ago because I'm kind of in your hometown there, Joe. Didn't realize you're going to get cold feet this close to the finish line. Mary does say something that's that's pretty powerful here. She says... Just because God has a plan doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And I liked that. Mary's little pep talk to Joe. It's pretty nice. And so with that, they both stop having their existential crisis and they head on down the road to Bethlehem. But uh uh-oh. Mary's water. Hey, Mary's water got brokated. You know what that means. She's going to need a new pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> so Mary is 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 in the throes of pregnancy now. She's starting to have some contractions. And at this point, Bo shows up. And Bo nudges Joseph. Like, hey, go take care of your woman, Joe. Yeehaw. Yeehaw, Joseph. I know you can't see it, but I'm nudging my microphone with my nose as if I'm a donkey encouraging Joseph to go for some reason I'm doing that. I'm a, I'm a 30-year-old man. Almost 31. I'm closer to 31 than I am to 30. And I am nudging my microphone, pretending to be a donkey, encouraging the Father of God, earthly Father of God, to go and be with Mary. What He's is my life? that for you, dear listener. What is my life? Helps you get into character. Joseph's like, all right, we got this. Hey, I'm going to carry our yoga mat beds and all of our possessions. Bo, can you carry Mary? 
And then Bo goes, that rhymed. And he goes, I know, and I didn't even mean it. And then in the background, Fezzik went, does anybody want a peanut? And it was real great, and everybody laughed. It was a real touching moment. Bo is carrying the mother of God on his back. And he's he's real tickled about that. It's real, real great. They arrive in Bethlehem, and they try to find shelter, but everywhere's full. Dear listener, I need to share um, something with you here. This is not as fantastical as you may think. Because you picture in your mind all these ends being full and going, what are we going to do? Ends being full in towns was not commonplace, or was not not commonplace. This happened fairly regularly. Sleeping in a stall wasn't, like, bad. That's just what people did back then. As a matter of fact, if you were trying to, to travel on the cheap, you would choose to stay in the, in the manger versus an actual inn because it was cheaper to stay in there. I'm not saying that it's not special or that that it doesn't symbolize Jesus had a lowly birth, but what I'm saying is is it was not unheard of to sleep in the barn when you're traveling around to these places. Do you know anybody else who slept in the barn? Yeah, the divine donkey. He always slept in barns because even if there was room at the inn, those innkeepers weren't going to let a donkey in there. I feel like maybe that doesn't prove your point. (laughs) (laughs) So they can't find... A room anywhere. And Bo's outside worrying about where they're going to sleep. But then who shows up? The Miller from the beginning. The one that got donkey kicked. And he's like, oh, I found you. And he captures him. And they're like, and everybody's like, oh, that bad Miller. But in reality, here's a man who probably doesn't make that much money who just took his stolen property back. They picture him. stolen. I mean. He just doesn't I realize that he's trying. See... I didn't see Mary and Joseph put up flyers that said, hey, lost donkey. I mean, would you do that if a donkey came to your house? Yes, that would be the first thing I did. I, I don't just wouldn't. I wouldn't just take somebody's donkey. I'm pretty then, sure they would hang me still where I live in that's Kentucky. That's true. Down where you live. <laughs> yeah. If you, so steal, old... if you steal someone's donkey, it is a capital offense down here. What? Um... Death by hanging. Yeah, and there's well, no yeah, they, they had to fix it. Big oak tree. She didn't even want the donkey; like she told it to go away. Right, Joseph did at least, but the divine no. donkey had other plans. She straight up wanted that donkey from the very beginning. So I think she the, coveted another man's donkey. I'm not saying that she cut. Co- even if she did, she wasn't infallible. Never mind. I'm not getting into this Catholic Catholic bull donkey donk. Anyways, donkey. the Miller. The miller rightly takes his property back and throws him in a manger for safekeeping while he apparently goes and gets counted. So yeah, there's this schizophrenic goat named Zach, a cow named Edith, voiced by Patricia Heaton of Fellas. Where do we know Patricia Heaton from? I have no idea. Mom's Night Out. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a horse named Leah, voiced by Kelly Clarkson. And they are like, man, we haven't been able to sleep for nine months because this star is so bright. Oh, no. No, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. They're the only ones that have a problem with this, apparently. No. <laughs> Everyone no. else has been sleeping. <laughs> I mean, if it is so bright that the cow or the animals right there can't sleep, then why is the windows in the house that's right next to where the star shining down not complaining about it? It's dumb. It's dumb. It's real dumb. But, uh, Bo sees that the star is shining its light 
onto a food trowel. And Bo goes, this is where the baby's meant to be born. And the three animals, Zach, Edith, and Leah, help him escape to go and get Mary and Joseph and bring him to the manger. Meanwhile, the lamb, Ruth, who we haven't really talked about that much, but she's still there. And she finds her flock that she ran away from to follow the star at the beginning of the movie, but they're still mad at her for abandoning them. But then an angel comes down to tell the shepherds that the Messiah's coming, and the sheep are suddenly like, oh, cool, we forgive you, Ruth. And so they're going towards the major now. Dumb. Then Dave the Dove meets the camels that belong to the wise men, and Dave... It's like, come on, camels, come with me to this manger that I just must have heard about. Because that wasn't explained very well how all these animals know about the manger, but they do somehow. And at the same time, the hunter, the mean-haired triangle muscle man, and the mean bad dogs have found where Mary's at, and they're going to go kill her. And all the animals, well, they just come together and knock them off a cliff. They straight up murder the triangle man. But It had to be done. It's a necessary evil. But as they are murdering this man, Bo saves the dogs. How does he do this? Well, let me tell you. The dogs have normal collars on, and they're connected by a chain. Bo grabs the chain in his mouth and hoists the dogs up over the cliff. Now, I don't know if you've been around a lot of dogs, dear listeners, but what happens if you pull on a dog's chain too hard? They go, because you're choking them. These dogs were hanging by their necks, for no less than five minutes during this scene where they murder this man. How are these dogs still alive? <laughs> well, if, the, if, they're, if, if they're being pulled down by gravity, then the... Yep, that's how, or whatever, that's the how every lynch, lynching that's ever occurred worked. Yes, they're being pulled down by gravity. So the weight is on the back of their neck. It's not on the, no, the front. That's that's not how that works. Because It is chain, if you're a dog, because it is... Because you float when you're being pulled down, you're actually, the force goes up? Go ahead, dangle your dog by the collar over the balcony, Luke, and tell me if it's able to get all that sweet, sweet oxygen it needs to survive. Well, the weight in a dog is different. If the, no. if the chain is if the chain is in front of the neck, I guess it would put the pressure on the back, but if the chain's on the but back the of the neck... the chain was on the back the of the neck. The like, it looked like the That's dogs were being it hoisted... The on the front. Right, when the dogs were being hoisted up, it looked almost like a mama dog had them by the scruff of their neck pulling them up. But, of course, the thing that was pulling them up was the metal chain that was wrapped around their throats. These dogs would have... That's what this going to be. ...would have asphyxiated long before Bo was able to get them up on top of the cliff. Let's just... Can we just point <laughs> out just for a minute that uh, Bo saves this these two dogs. One is clearly a pit bull, and the other one is clearly a German shepherd. Both have demonstrated uh, incredibly violent tendencies, and Bo lets them loose in Bethlehem. That's how forgiveness works, Zach. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's how forgiveness works for people. But if a dog bites someone or kills someone, they put the dog down. You don't, like, go, okay, have a second chance. Don't kill another four-year-old. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, that's how it happens today. But back, I you mean, know, back two thousand years ago, they just whatever. I mean, four-year-old is expendable. I'm reminded of something that Mary Mag said in season one of The Chosen. The dogs were one way, Zach. 
And then Christ the Savior is about to be born. He didn't think we're another. I'm reminded of another thing that Mary Mag said in The Chosen, and that is, tell Throw that the hammer came to win back her money. (laughs) (laughs) Which discredits everything that she says ever for the history of that show. (laughs) Jesus changes people and animals. And, And dogs, apparently. Yeah, because I, I have all those really good animal miracles that Jesus performed. Well, let's see. There's got to be some uh, animal interactions between... I'll wait. I, I have, mean, like God, you know, God I have, has... I have God 500... to do whatever have, he wants. I have 500 typed pages on the life of Christ, extensive notes, and right now I'm on the Passover. Not one animal was involved in any of these miracles besides Jesus needing them to be caught for food or to be multiplied into more food. No, but they can, their their nature can be changed by the influence that God has over them. Like the the uh well, whales, you know, aren't whales aren't well, running no, around in my town. They aren't well behaved either, but God used them to swallow Jonah. And then like he could have eaten Jonah and digested him, but he was like, "No, I'll spit him back up." Cuz the whale I feel like if God can the whale use that, had then... a choice in that. Did the whale he? had a choice whale, in that whole the whale situation. Free, free will. <laughs> one thing. One hey, thing whales, free I saw whales, that movie. Back. Free will. Free one whale. thing. One thing that you may not know about animals, dear listener, is that they can decide whether or not they're going to digest food that's entered into their stomachs. Hey, while we're talking about whales, that reminds me of octopus. I, I heard another octopus fact that you never brought up. I just found what? this out the other day. Octopus. Punch other other fish for fun. <laughs> Good on them. <laughs> so they can they could they could punch fish as like trying to catch them to eat, but sometimes as people are observing them, they'll just punch them for fun. They'll just see a fish swimming by and just cool <laughs> just for no reason. If I I would be so happy if I get punched by an octopus. If you need a fact about an octopus, blah 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 blah. Zach Geiler. Ding. So anyway, we've we've established that God can use animals for whatever He wants. So in this case, He changes the hearts. I'm the just saying. I'm just again. saying. I'm not gonna let uh, a dog that accepted Jesus into his heart through the sinner's prayer to be around my son. <laughs> this was a special circumstance, you know. Right. Pretty and much my whole perception. What you of don't know is that now that we understand the theology of the divine donkey. So, after they murder that guy and release dangerous wild pit bulls into the populace of of Bethlehem, all the animals—the camels, the wise men, the sheep, the donkey, the dove, the mouse—she shows up there at the end. They all show up there. To witness the birth of Jesus. Now, by witness the birth of Jesus, I mean they walk in there, and Mary nods at them, and then they all turn around for privacy's sake. And the next thing we know, Mary is holding the cleanest little infant you'd ever want to see in your whole life. Just born. Her her hair isn't even disheveled. She didn't break a sweat through this entire pregnancy and delivery. Good for well, her. It's a well-known fact that the uh, Israelite women have wide hips. And so they're all there, and then, you know, just like the Bible says, all the animals got down on one knee and bowed down to baby Jesus. 
Wasn't it so cool when they held Jesus up? What yeah, over Pride Rock. His forehead, though. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I was very concerned, and I really hoped that that star was actually a UV light, because the way they animated the baby Jesus, he is severely jaundiced. True. <laughs> it is a very yellow baby. He almost looks like a Simpsons character. What causes jaundice? Well, you let a man named John clean your baby. He, a man named John insults your baby, and you turn yellow. When you get a jaundice... You get jaundiced. <laughs> and the movie ends with... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just looked at the top review on IMDb. And it said, Saw the film with my parents, who are Catholic. They both liked it. Two and a half out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, have it here, folks. Uh, and the movie ends with Bo... Just like the Bible says, being called over to Mary to nuzzle her lap as she holds the newborn Messiah. Five out of five. Righteous. No, it, I mean, I, I, and all honestly, they got a lot of things right, but in the end, it was. I, I thought it dragged. I watched it with my son. I was like, this would be a good movie for him, just animals and stuff. It had his attention for like 15 minutes, and then he was done. That's longer than it had mine. I think the problem was like the the beginning was the slowest part, and it, it yeah. picked up kind of after that. But there definitely were some slow spots where it needed to be. They needed something. I just don't understand why you can't just tell the Bible story the way the Bible tells it. See, I figured you would appreciate this because they brought humor into the Bible story. Did they? Yeah, there were some. There were some funny parts. The sheep was funny. Hey, uh, before we go, hey Scott, do you know what the absolute best Christmas present is? Uh, money. No, man. The best Christmas present is a broken drum. You can't beat it. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh... Little drummer boy is sad. All right, guys. I got to scoot. I'll talk to you both soon. All right. All right I got to pee real bad. Right, Just like the story well. of my life on this podcast. gonna cut this part out but uh as far as cgi characters go mary's mary was a looker just Why just toss i know you were there. gonna say this i knew you were gonna say this <laughs> you knew that was coming. i don't know why i was like i know Zach's gonna say <laughs> i'm just saying can you cannot can you keep your eyes off the mother of jesus it's miraculous, honey. It's miraculous. I would have started. I would have started singing, "Whose boots have your bed?" <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have sang, "Whose boots have your bed been under?" Then I joined I been like, with you. That's wrong. Uh, Shania Twain, Luke. The wise to this men shows, are... to this show's credit, there are no like December references.
Right. There isn't, except for every single carol in the background. It's like, and it's Christmas, December 25th. Christmas, well, you know, you can't really. Mid of December, <laughs> the, the Christmas. The soundtrack wasn't custom to this show, Mary so they couldn't really do anything about that. Mary gave birth on Christmas. <laughs> it was December, December 25th. 25th when she crowned. Oh, Christmas. Crowning Christmas. <laughs> and then every song ended. You dilated two nine centimeters, so start pressing because it's Christmas. Oprah has a longtime boyfriend named Stedman that no one has ever seen. How long did her marriage to Ted, uh, Ted Danson last? Ted Cruz? I have no idea. I didn't even know that uh, Ted, Ted Cruz and Oprah Ted were Danson married. Off cheers. <laughs> off cheers? Yeah. He showed up in blackface to the what? wedding. Ted? Yes. What? Ted Danson. He was I the bartender. That's Cheers. true. I don't think that's true. I'm crying. Ain't shed a tear. Ted Danson. He was not married to Oprah. On Google, it says Oprah's never been married. She's yeah. just had this partner for 30 years. Oh, oh, oh. You know, hold up. Hold <laughs> up. Hold up. It wasn't Oprah. It was Whoopi Goldberg. Ted Danson was not married to Whoopi Goldberg. Yes, he was. No, I'm looking at Ted Dance's Wikipedia right now. He was married to Randall Gosh, Cassandra Coates, and Mary Steenburgen. He did have a relationship with Whoopi Goldberg. I just saw that. Dancing experienced negative press attention on October 8th, 1993, after his appearance wearing blackface at a Friars Cub comedy roast in honor of Goldberg and for using a plethora of racist slurs. You, You got one fact of that entire thing right. But you shrouded it behind so much not true. Marriage. Yeah. Just one thing. The marriage. No, you I said that Tan there. you said that Ted Danson showed up to his marriage to Whoopi Goldberg in blackface. Yeah. In blackface. Him showing up to a <laughs> Friars Club roast and him showing up to their marriage are two wildly different things. <laughs> I bet the inquirer got it wrong. So, anyways, Herod is uh forcibly you are suggests- gonna cut that out, right? Yeah, of course.